hey folks, welcome. Well, here we are, the Not Necessarily Mad podcast with me, Eric Hollinsworth and G.B. Meyer. So thanks for joining us. This episode of Not Necessarily Mad, G.B. and I discuss how the mall has changed as not only a retail space, but its decline as a social gathering space. So let's get right to it. Well, hey, GB. Hey, Eric. How are you, man? I'm doing all right. How's it going today? You know, it, it's it's going a little, little warm, not going to lie. Went out earlier today and did some things, and it's, um, I'm glad I'm inside in the AC at this point. It is. Oh, yeah, the AC is a real nice thing it, right now. It is typical Virginia, almost <laughs> July weather. Um, so, it, yeah, it is really good. Um, you know, yesterday we had our, our, our production meeting via right. via our cellular devices and uh i was speaking of the heat it was hot blistered hot yesterday as well and uh we we started chatting and it turned right. into longer than than i thought we would chat for that moment and i ended up being in roanoke virginia and uh, went to an old mall that used to be the the bee's knees as they used to say uh, yes the cat's pajamas uh, the cat's pajamas uh tanglewood mall in in, in roanoke and yeah it it has gone through being, you know, the the cutting edge mall, to being, oh, we also got stuff here. To wow, there's nothing here. To we're selling off chunks of it to office space and right and stuff like that. And it and it, you know, you and I got to got to kind of talking about it a little bit, and we we were just you know thinking about the evolution uh, of a. You know, and I, I don't want to say an architectural art form because it yeah. was, it was, but it, but it really is. I mean, you, you and I kind of, kind of grew up in in that I like to call it the analog shopping world, right? Where, where you know, we went from small strip mall, outdoor strip malls connected by sidewalks to. Um, you know, I remember growing up and going to one of those to having the indoor malls that were these, you know, huge monstrosities of, of glitz and glimmer, glamour uh-huh. for that yeah, time period right. to, uh, you know, state of the art shopping centers like uh, some of the, the well, now they're, you know, almost 30 years old now or 40 years old. Some of those malls that came into being in that mid 80s, you know, top of the top of the food chain time for malls. And even they're seeing a, a suffering and, and just not seeing the creation of, of those spaces like we used to. And I, I was just kind of curious as to your thoughts about yeah. how how we've gotten from, you know, the place where our parents would drop us off on a Friday afternoon and come pick <laughs> us up at nine <laughs> to to these places that are, are quite honestly a bit bleak. You know, I'm glad you stopped me yesterday because you started to say something about it and you had a couple of thoughts and both of those thoughts uh, you know, those ballooned into several thoughts on my side, and you were right to say, you know what, we're going to drop into this, so why don't we do it when we're hanging out? Right. And, uh, um, you, you know, I, what I was thinking about was that, you know, retail space compounding has been a story, like, since World War II. You know, markets became supermarkets, became strip malls, became malls became something akin to like a, a you know an arcade a, a pavilion experience of right. indoor areas where you could stroll through and there'd be with fountains and maybe even a carousel 
you know, um, and an amusement in itself just walking through them. You know, pretty and comfortable, attractive music playing. Hopefully, right. Well, and it, it wasn't the shopping experience. wasn't just the shopping experience. It was you know, I remember it, you know specifically with this mall, um, we got you. You had fountains, you know, dancing yeah. fountains. Now, very simple. There, you know, it's not anything Las Vegasy by any stretch. But to have pools of water inside, you know, sure. with 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 jets squirting water about. Um, you know, the, these were, um, they were destinations, even if you didn't have a penny in your pocket to shop. Absolutely. And in fact, you would meet people, you, you mentioned a fountain. I'm thinking, well, in days before, you know, immediate contact by cell phones or before that beepers, it was certainly a place where you could say, you know, Eric at three I'll meet you at the fountain. Right. And, exactly. Um, so, you know, we were definitely geographically anchored in things that we did, giving each other landmarks and then a place where we would go and either just take in the experience of being in a marketplace and, you know, in a very comfortable inside place to walk around. Or you could find all kinds of cool things to buy if you really wanted to. Exactly. Well, and the other thing, too, I think, it you know, our parents felt it so much so that they would allow us you know some free times as you know older preteens young teens to where they would drop us off for a couple of hours at the mall without adult supervision right it was it was a safe place for us to be yeah it was certainly contained and there was certainly uh you know um you know there 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 was security of some form in place so you know whatever you know uh whatever fun you can have with that you know mall cops uh, is a, <laughs> right. a standing trip right. but but you know i mean you know security cameras there are there are adults present you know no stuff's going to break out into uh yeah. into fights and you know ideally on a perfect day there's no uh, cars coming through it either <coughs> i love the blues brothers oh, right i'm sorry i date myself yeah it, indeed but uh, you know it 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 just seemed because I actually one of my first real jobs was working at a drugstore within a mall uh, in Roanoke, and the it, it wouldn't be uncommon for for kids just to go there to hang out. Yeah, you know, and um, and, and it really was you know, yeah, there was stuff to buy, but we're not buying a lot of stuff. We're buying like a cheese dog from the the Orange Julius or whatever. And, and exploring, you know, it, it really was an exploration of who we were becoming as people, you know, yeah. and, and for a generation or two, that was like, that's where you went to see and be seen. So sure. There was, yeah, there was that, there was that, uh, social, um, community commons, uh, flavor to it, where if you didn't have a lot of autonomy, you didn't have any money of your own, uh, if, whether you were a teenager or a young adult or what have you, um, this was a place you could go and you could be and you could run into other people because they would certainly be there also. Um, which, you know, in, in so many ways is a, is a fantastic thing. And then so you wonder, what's the future of that going to be without there being a purpose other than it's a you know an indoor an indoor area to walk around that doesn't have retail funding it right and and I think we're seeing you know um, even pre-COVID situation we were seeing the, the 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 tail end of what I what I would think would be brick and mortar big box retail 
per se. I mean, yeah. you, we, we've, we've gone to a situation where we're looking at places like Best Buy, Target, Walmart, mm-hmm. one-stop shops for, for certain things. And the mall, yeah, it had, it, it had its anchors, uh, you know, specifically here in our area, we had Leggett's or Belk, um, JCPenney's, Sears were all part of that mall complex. And with, you know, three of those or two of those three actually either in or thinking about, you know, bankruptcy protection. Sure. It, it's come to a point where they can't afford to do that. And I, and I do, I, you know, not placing blame or saying, you know, this is a fault and good God, we need to save the malls because it's part <laughs> of what we did. Right. You know, it's just an ongoing evolution. But what, what you're seeing is, you know, the, the internet has taken over the other parts of the mall as well. What I mean by that is, yeah, the, you know, most, most folks are like getting their large items. They're still going to a, a brick and mortar store somewhere for appliances and stuff like that. But mm-hmm a lot of folks aren't going into places like that for clothing anymore or the other accessories that go along with that. It's all become an online thing and that's trickling down to the smaller, like I remember in the mall, there was like, you know, the big, big, big stores department stores or large anchor stores, whatever. But you also had like the cigar shop and there was a, you know, a guy that sold, um, jewels, uh, costume jewelry and knives and, and, you know, that kind of stuff. And later on the sports memorabilia stores and, you know, stuff like that moving in that were, you know, small mom and pop, non-national chain things that were just looking for, for a place to be. And without the traffic provided by the mall anymore, I think, you know, we're, we're seeing those folks are having to migrate to a, to a digital world altogether. Yeah, so you know, I think there's two interesting things happening. You know, first there was this, uh, there was this phenomena of big box stores and even um, renovated discount, which I'll say is like uh, Walmart. Walmart's the big daddy in that equation. Right. So you've got those two things happening. You know, uh, where suddenly um, large retail is starting to dominate. Um, what is no longer just large cities, not your top 25 cities, but even even bigger than that, going into a wider range of, of cities in, the, in, your, in your top 100 of population. Right. So you have that. And then it, as if that was not enough to start challenging the downtown or the local retail experience. And as you saw, you know, fewer and fewer local presences in an actual mall as more and more, um, you know, chain stores, or at least, you know, national presences being, being populating it, then you all, all of a sudden you have this, you know, the last 10 years, the rise of mobile, the rise of connectivity, uh, and the capability of what you can actually just order from where you're sitting. Um, those two things come together. And here we are right now, Well, I, you know, I, as the world's in an upheaval, you know, part of that too, I think, you know, we're also in in a world of um, secondhand shopping. Sure, you know, yeah. uh, eBay is full of lightly used things <laughs> that I, <laughs> you know, I, as a musician, I'm I'm always looking for for used stuff, so I'm not paying top dollar for something that you know may or may not work for my situation. But we, you know, we keep coming back to this. You know, we we've talked about social media and 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 the fact that. You know, one of the good things is everybody has a voice. 
one of the bad things is everybody has a voice and it's almost that way with shopping I'm, and i'm not deriding the 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 online shopping experience whatsoever i'm a firm believer in it but i think it's like you know one of the things that makes online business and and this transition from that analog shopping world to the digital one is everybody can sell the sure the bad thing is everybody can sell and how do you find you know what you're looking for and i think that's one of the big things that the mall uh, you know offered it was if you need knew you needed something you could go and look and you could touch and feel and roll it around in your hands a little bit and go yep this is exactly what i need and now we're 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 kind of not anymore but is that such a bad thing i mean yeah i don't know so i mean uh, i think part of part of uh, to your point first of all it's a lot easier to it's a lot easier to find things that have been uh, hardly used if at all just pre-owned people right. will buy things and then not use them and then sell them there's right. plenty of that out there and it's it's you know if you do just a little bit of homework you can find some great stuff and much more affordably but then there's also a phenomena right now of, you know, I, I still to some degree will rely on that brick and mortar opportunity to put my hands on something and get a sense of it before I go out and shop for it in a in a non-retail way. Right. Um, and, you know, not all the time. I mean, I, I'm not a mercenary, but, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm just thinking about something for a long time or I just want to check it out. Or I'll even have an idea in a, in a brick and mortar location where I look at something or I get to see it in person. And then it grows on me with time. So whether or not I go back to that actual location again is, you know, is up in the air. What will that mean, though, for me going forward if there's fewer and fewer uh, opportunities for me to do that? Can it go away? If it does go away, will there suddenly become a, um, a place where, you know, online retailers say it's not going to be good enough for us to just do this online because all of the all of the local hands-on opportunity has just evaporated. We have to create showrooms or something of that nature where people can, you know, take a look or well, hold or evaluate our 10,000 bestsellers. Well, I, you know, I think, you know, we're already starting to see that with some, some of the online retailers that are saying, you know what, try it out for 30 days. And if not, we pay for the shipping for it to come back. And I think that we're, especially looking at it from you know the perspective we're in now with covid yeah you know a lot of people that never thought they would be online shoppers are online shoppers sure. <laughs> right you know they're they're really like oh i never thought about oh i can just get my dog food delivered right to my door and i don't have to go hoss you know a 40 pound bag of food for the month or use a service like instacart to bring the grocery home from the grocery store it, exactly so and then the grocery store stops being an anchor where you and i go as an experience and say well let's go next door to this or that store while i'm over at x and y z uh, food town right and and i think we've lost i think in this whole thing because you know talking with people there's like yeah i love it you know i don't have to go out and do nothing it's great or i just pull up and they put it in my car and blah 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 we, we're losing that that foot traffic for the other for the for the mom and pops that survive on the aspects of well i'm down here at the, the mega mart buying you know some tomatoes oh look there's a there's a puzzle shop i like puzzles let me go in and look <laughs> right you know that kind of thing yeah and 
you know, what does that mean for us moving forward? You know, do those, do we now, you know, I, I think, I think a lot of people with the, with the COVID situation and the, the sort of opening up, getting out and doing things, they're really, you know, at least in my area, people are trying to, to, to support the locals, whether it's retail or restaurants sure. or whatever. Yeah. And I don't know if that's enough to change that tide of, ooh, you know what? I don't need to be near a mall or a, a grocery store or whatever in a, in a, in a mall. I can just be in my own home in my basement doing it online or, or does this bode well for the, the, I don't, I don't want to say a renaissance because it really hasn't been, you know, we talk like it's been forever, but it's only three right. months. You know, is there is there going to be a, sort of a, a neo-renaissance of, you know what, we really need to go out and support the locals? So what I'm wondering is, on top of that, coming back to the, the earlier idea about community and that experience of commons and a, and a place to go out socially – you know, there's two phenomena that are happening or have happened over the last, I don't know, a couple of decades, right? So there's the the whole supply chain revolution and the expansion of these uh, re- retail chains, big box stores. And then you have the e-commerce and Amazon and that whole digital experience and order from your phone. So that's one side of it. And then this other side is we're still going to need a place we can go. And where are we going to feel safe to do that? Because the the mall came in and filled a human need. We always need a place where we can go and have a marketplace, uh, not only to buy things, but to, I don't know, collect with each other. And I mean, that's, right. been, that's been true as long as there have been something that resembles cities. Well, I mean, we, I mean, we, we still see it, you know, in its most, I don't, want to, I don't want to say earliest forms, but one of its earliest forms in the farmer's market. That sure. each, little, each little town has. So, I mean, we, the, it's you could find that stuff cheaper <laughs> and more readily available at the grocery store right down the street. But there's something about you know that connection that you do make when you are shopping at like a farmers market or a you know a crafts fair or whatever. Right. So it's an attractive space and it has a story built inside of it. This is a you know this is uh, not just a place to buy something. This is a um, this is a market where people come in from farms and they bring things. There's an right. attraction to that. It might not be fountains and carousels, but it's something. Right. And I think maybe that's part of the appeal of the old downtown malls. You're uh, walking through what was once a very, uh, very solid and very predictably um, going to last forever uh, marketplace. Right. You know, built it. Usually, it usually there are like late nineteenth, early twentieth centuries. Um, people putting a lot of money into a downtown. They're sure that are going to be there as long as the cities of Europe. Right. And uh, so those could be attractive to walk around in a contemporary way, but. You know, that's not quite the same as being inside a mall, which is easy to maintain safety. It's easy to, uh, you know, guarantee that it's not too porous uh, for people slipping in and slipping out. It's easier to make sure people don't slip and fall on ice, that kind of thing. Right. I'm wondering, you and I were talking about the climate control and enjoying the AC. I know that I'm wondering, I'm wondering if that's going to be a factor too. So before AC was super affordable compared to what it is, uh, you know, what, what it was when I was growing up, it was not that affordable and it was not nearly as efficient. 
<laughs> right. And, uh, you know, the, the thermal stress of the summer was a lot more present. I mean, I don't even have to think about it now. So going to the mall in this extremely climate controlled place, you never knew really what the weather was outside. Right. I mean, and, and I think that was sort of the appeal, you know, to those early malls and even, you know, the, the larger ones. Cause I, don't, I don't know if you've ever been to like uh, King of Prussia Mall or any of those like yeah. mega malls. And, you know, they have their own zip code type thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, um, but they, they become their own. I mean, almost like the casinos, they become their own entity where time and space really don't matter. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great connection. There's a so what you're talking about with casinos. You go to a casino to gamble, but you don't just that's that's only half the the story. The other half is there. You're, you're going there to be outside of your normal life, and it, it, you can lose track of time. And and you know malls and casinos, neither one of them have clocks and are provi- pr- you know present <laughs> where you see them as you're <laughs> right. just milling around right and 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 i know there's there's psychological reasons for that and and we you know we could throw out the research on that and just sure. chew on that for like an hour but i i think you know we're looking at i think the the changing of the guard as it were to to how retail is done because there are and you know several uh, up in your area uh, Northern Virginia, and there are a couple in the Richmond area that are these uh, uh, planned communities where mm-hmm. there's there's yeah. housing on the top two levels, but everything underneath on the first level is retail space. And some of them are the larger uh, retailers. Um, some a lot of them are the national mid level national chains, and then you know the couple local things that are going on as well. But they're they're in a. They're, they're they're a huge mall but it's outside (laughs) you know yeah pedestrian streets you know not a lot of car traffic once you get into the meat of these things yeah and mixed use development exactly and you know to me you know that seems like a, a great way to to go to where you're not just getting you know that that footprint of space that's being used for retail is retail only and you know you're not going to get anything else out of it and you know basically you're you're building in your your own customers to be quite honest yeah by that's putting, true by so, putting townhomes and apartments and, and housing in in that situation so there's a separate disruption that's happening right now and it, it will be interesting to see whether or not the new form of that mixed-use development pays off and i know i'm going wide here but a lot of offices have closed, and a lot of people who live in those mixed unit mixed uh, developments are younger, tend to work in offices. Right. And suddenly, it's becoming a lot less important about exactly where you live. Um, it, and exactly. as that becomes, yeah, as that becomes a you know more of a more of a phenomena, and you don't even have to live that close to the urban center where the headquarters of your company might be, or what have you. Right, uh, you know, suddenly that mixed use attraction kind of, kind of uh, falls away a little bit too. So I, I don't know. Even beyond the mall, maybe we're seeing a disruption in our sense of community. Maybe we're seeing a whole new level of, you know, uh, I, nomadic life. Well, I not so much nomadic life, but you know, I heard an interesting, you know, tie into that on a, on an NPR uh, program mm. not too long ago, where they were talking about the fact that. You know the job opportunities now 
for someone coming out with with a certain amount of like business training or whatever, they're not having to leave the town that they're in necessarily to work for a company anymore. Uh-huh. We're finding yeah. out more and more. I mean, you're you're a prime example of it. When's the last time you were actually in the office space that you work in? <laughs> March. Yeah. Yeah. And and was was there a moment in time where we're trying to figure it out and it wasn't, you know, the best method? Yes, but now we figured it out. Yeah. I've I've talked to several folks that work in office spaces in in you know, I'm sort of in between Lynchburg and Roanoke, so I've got friends on both sides of that hyphen hyphenated market. And they're like, "Yeah, I may never go back to my office full time. I probably will go in for a meeting once in a while and you know, the have tos, but I'm I'm as productive or more productive in my pajamas at home." Yeah. So you know, you you raised a great a great illustration with my story because I work for a, a very mature and traditional uh, industry and company, and um, the environment that I had been in was well, you know, work remote if you need to, but we really need a good reason, and it shouldn't be that often. So and and that was, um, if you will, only in the last couple of years where that even became a possibility. And then it went from basically uh, a pleasant exception to the absolute rule, and it's it's working. And right. a lot of talk about what are we really going to go back to? Office space costs a lot of money. Right, and I and I and I and I think this kind of ties in everything that we're talking about because the retailers are looking at the fact that they can build. Let's take for example uh, Best Buy. They can build the, and own their own space or lease their own space and not have to be part of a mall, and their overhead shrinks incredibly. And the more that they can sell online, their overhead goes even lower down. And a lot yeah. of companies that thought they couldn't make this happen figured out a way to make it happen. And I think the, the bottom line is coming to a point where they're like, well, you we don't need this huge building that we're housed in. We need half the space for, for this. And I, I, I really think that, you know, you can't untie the retail business from corporate anyway. I mean, they're, they're one in the same to, a, to an extent. Sure. And I, I just think that more and more we're, we're going to see a lot more of the telecommuting, the teleshopping, telestudies. You know, um, one, of, one, of my, one of my gigs in my gig universe is I, I'm an adjunct professor at a small liberal, liberal arts college in Central Virginia. And, you know, we're, we're discussing now how do, we, how do we do in-person lessons? How do we do ensembles? How do we do regular class lecture situations? Yeah. And un, until we figure it out... It's going to be a lot more of of us staring at our screens to make contact. Yeah. So we just be, just because we have to, and I think that for me, more and more of it's coming down to well, it's a pleasant experience not having to deal with everybody all the time and being able to to do it online and to be kind of separated. I know we we yearn and need human contact, but I think we're finding out we can we can survive on a little bit less than what we thought so if nothing compels people to to show up if no nothing compels uh you know uh whether it's a workforce or whether it's a, a group of students or whether it's uh people that need to buy things 
If nothing compels them to show up in person and I'll be there at the same time, you know, what is the future of our sense of a common space and a community? You know, it's, is it just walking on the sidewalk outside from A to B or will there be new comfortable climate control designations that we're going to find? And will there be a place for, um, for people to say, hey, you want to hear me play some music in a public setting? Um, and I realize right. I'm, I'm making a, a quick hop there, but it's only because one of the first things I keep thinking about is the amount of music I saw uh, in and around a mall space during my youth. It might not have been stuff I wanted to hear, but it was there. <laughs> right. I mean, there was, there was always some kind of community group performing on the weekends yeah. or something. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and like you said, not maybe always in your wheelhouse of what you wanted to hear, but it's still there's that community effort going in and and community support. And, and I think that that's one of the things that we as a society really have to be careful of, especially as we're driven with technology like this, because there is a huge have, have not break in society when it comes to technology. I don't think we'll ever forever get rid of, you know, brick and mortar shops. I'm just wondering how often they'll happen. How often will they happen and and will there be enough to justify them being positioned in particular ways that are convenient for people to to interact with each other? Exactly. And, you know, that that's, I think, the sixty four thousand dollar question for us now, especially where we are and and given the the health climate, you know, we're, we're talking about a two year window where. Yeah. We, we won't even be able to establish the new normal for another, you know, year and a half at this point, some are saying. Some right. are saying, you, you know. know that. And I, I, yeah, and I think that's, uh, you know, I think that's part of the reason why I wanted to, um, and I had so many ideas and I wanted to unpack this in a regular conversation with you, is I'm sure uh, in two years, you and I will look back on this conversation with um, uh, maybe with some amusement um, and maybe... Um, I don't know with what else, but we'll just we'll be a lot more informed by what was ahead uh, from where we're sitting right now, where we're really just getting into this uh, this experience of quarantine. Right. Well, you know, it's like you know our grandparents' generation. You know, my grandmother didn't go to a grocery store until she was in her seventies. Wow. You know, she grew up in a very rural part of Virginia, and if she didn't grow it, she didn't eat it. You know <laughs> that kind of thing, <laughs> right? And you know, it 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 blows my mind to think that we're at that we're at that stage in our lives where we've crossed over from, you know, a self sustaining generation two generations ago mm-hmm. to one now where you and I are talking about. You know, I I click a couple buttons on my phone, and in thirty minutes I go down to the local. Mega Mart and and they put my groceries in my trunk for me and there was I didn't have to take out my wallet I didn't have to walk around the store I mean there, it's just and if you would have said that to even my mom you know uh, that middle generation sure. 10 years ago that saying you know mom there's going to be a point where you're not even going to have to take out a check or a credit card or debit card or anything to pay for your groceries, you, it's going to be on. You, you're just going to get on your computer at that time. Who, who mm-hmm. would have thought phones? You're just going to get on your computer, 
hit a couple of keystrokes and then they're either going to deliver it right to you or you go pick it up. And they would have looked at me like I had just pooped in my hands. <laughs> and, and now here we are with that, that kind of technology that, you know, we kind of eased into it and not really thought about it. But, you know, what's happening is, is kind of amazing. It is. And while my, while my day to day, uh, profession doesn't expose me to as much new technology, uh, being aware of its presence and what it means is part of my job. And the phenomena of intelligent, intelligent technology combined with um, immediate connectivity and more pervasive connectivity right. and the capability of storing more and more data, which everything is based on data, those three things together have have made so much happen in the last 10 years with the, you know, from your cell phone to your smartphone to right now. Um, and when you take something like a, a, a um, you know, a, a multiplier of, of pressure, like this, this uh, pandemic, um, what we're going to see out of this uh, growing technology even before us is probably going to blow our minds with the amount of wearable, persistent, um, you know, AI conversant technology that's awaiting us, you know, um, and I don't we, even we, know what that looks like, honestly. We, well, we, we've already stepped into it. I've got several friends that swear by them and you go into their house and you hear, hey, Alexa, play this or that, or hey, Alexa, what's the definition of this? We're already right. acclimating ourselves to that. We are. And, uh, you know, as, as, as exciting as they are, you know, in 10 years, those will be early adopter tinker toys. Exactly. Which is hard for me to wrap my head around because to me, there's their space age. Well, uh, I mean, and I work in technology, right? They'll go the way of the iPod, right? Exactly. Yeah. The way when of you, the when iPod. You can when you can incorporate your whole mechanism into just one aspect of your, of your communication device, man, it's just, it's crazy. And as we wrap up this episode, we want to thank those that have chosen to listen let your friends know that they can find the Not Necessarily Mad podcast in the podcast section of Spotify, Blueberry, Stitcher, Google Play, on Apple Podcasts, and at our home at madfamworld.com. Stay safe.